Please be seated. Just a point of personal privilege. You know the microphone popping? Nothing makes the devil more angry than having people gather together for worship. But we're going on. So now, in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. One of my favorite passages in all the Bible comes in the Christmas story found in Matthew's Gospel. That's the one with the three wise men. After placing their gifts at the feet of the baby Jesus, they depart. And the story tells us that having been warned in a dream, they left for their home country, but by another road. When I began to think about what I would say on this homecoming Sunday, that phrase about coming home by another way came to me almost immediately. Given all that has shifted in these past months, that seemed exactly right. But as I looked at the reading from Paul's letter to the Philippians and at the Gospel, I realized I needed that bit about the warning as well. If the details of the Christmas story are top of mind in the middle of September, I understand. So to recap, the wise men wisely stop in Jerusalem to check in with their fellow king, King Herod, to ask where they will find the new king they've traveled so far to worship. Herod's prophets and seers declare that the star they've been following will lead them right to Bethlehem. But Herod is consumed by fear and rage. How dare there be another king, infant or grown? Yet with a veneer of fellow feeling, Herod asked the wise men to come back after they meet the newborn king and tell him all about it. The warning in a dream, and in Matthew's gospel, dreams are often how God communicates. That warning is a warning about Herod, a warning not to go back to him. Wise men that they are, they heed that warning. That little story reminds us of the way the world works and the way God works. The Bible itself chronicles the nearly constant conflict between the two, and the Bible does that from its beginning nearly to its end. Garden of Eden, God says, trust me. Adam and Eve decide to trust a snake. God intends to give people rules to live by, those Ten Commandments. But the wait to see what Moses is going to bring down from the mountain gets old. So the people choose to worship a golden calf. Prophets remind the people that they were once aliens and strangers, and so they are called to do justice and care for those in need, or it won't go well. But wealth is alluring, and power well-nigh irresistible. 
so kingdoms do crumble and a proud nation goes into exile. Of course, it's more complicated than that, otherwise the Bible would be a much shorter book. But that's not a bad summary, and that's just the Hebrew scriptures. So what happens when we get to Jesus, to the New Testament? Matthew's just cited Christmas story suggests it's not so different. Although Herod doesn't get a hold of the baby Jesus, he slaughters all the other babies in Bethlehem anyway, and Jesus and his parents become refugees in Egypt. Now, there are glorious, glorious and hopeful times in the midst of Jesus' ministry. People throng him, hanging on his every word, longing to just touch the hem of his garment and be healed. There are times when he gathers children around him and feeds multitudes. But even from the outset, the people in power, both religious and political, are uneasy. Uneasy because of who it is that comes out to Jesus. The poor, the sinful, the unclean, foreigners, and the uneducated. Not the right sort of people at all. Certainly not if this Jesus is the Messiah. The Jewish leaders want someone who worships in the temple and follows all 613 commandments. The Romans don't want a Messiah at all. Neither is going to get what they want from Jesus, and they know it. Their dis-ease turns to anger, and their anger to a shared conspiracy, so that in just three years' time, Jesus, once thronged and fawned over, is crucified in broad daylight, abandoned and alone. The word gospel means good news. So where exactly is it? It is that despite everything we have done and everything we so often do, God will not let us go. That's the line running all through the Bible. The one who created all that is, is unwilling to abandon either the creation or God's creatures, not even when we abandon God. So we hear, God emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, a slave, and thus like every enslaved person in every time, Jesus puts himself at the mercy of other human beings. Not much mercy to be found there. But God, of course, already knew that. Christ, of course, already knew that, knew that, and chose to let Jesus show us where the story ends when we are in charge. It leads to death, always death. And in Jesus' case, even death on a cross. 
But God, the author of creation, knows, has always known that the only thing stronger than death is love. Thus a man hanging from a cross with his arms stretched wide and words of forgiveness for his tormentors from his lips would call the whole world to himself. He did then, he does still. The resurrection is God's final answer to the power of death. But Jesus' willing death on the cross is the singular sign of a love that will go wherever it needs to, to be with us and will not ever relinquish us. This is a congregation where many of us are or have been at home in the world, where the way of the world works more often than not for us and for those like us. Such ease may tempt us to skip over the cross, even on this feast of the Holy Cross, to skip over that, to lay hold of Easter's joy, where it leads us to spend Christmas focused only on the baby nestled in the straw. Yet as we gather today, we can no longer deny the reality of the world. COVID has killed too many and too many unnecessarily. Many who died from the collision of COVID with poverty, politics, racism, or ill health, all of them underlying conditions in this world as it works. Wildfires have turned day to night across the West and swallowed neighborhoods and livelihoods and lives. And that manifestation of climate change is met and matched by the rising number of storms and hurricanes and their increased severity. And though none of us want to see what we have seen, we cannot unsee the racism that fueled the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Trayvon Martin and Tamir Rice and Eric Garner and all the other men and women of color I do not have time to name. God wants us to find and build our home in and with God. But we can't follow the roads we've been following. We gotta get there another way. The way of the world leans, leads only and always to death. We need a new route. We must circumvent tyrants who no matter what they say, mean to do harm to Jesus and those whom Jesus loves. Like the prophets, we have to name truth even when no one, not even ourselves, wanna hear it. And like those wise men, we must lay what treasures we have at Jesus' feet for his use before ours. These months have forced us to see much that we wish we had not. But we have seen what we have seen, 
And the Bible we read always reminds us what God sees, what God wants, what God longs for. God longs for us, us, every one of us and all creation set to rights, a new heaven and a new earth. God's arms always and still stretched wide for us. As we begin a new year together, a year like others in a few ways and like no year we have ever known, as a community, let us help one another to find our footing. It will not be easy because the way we tread is the way of the cross. But that is the one way that can lead us all safely home. In the name of the crucified and risen Christ. <laughs>